0: Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning and welcome to Transform. How many people really want to be a walking, talking, living hallelujah? You know, hallelujah, the word means praise the Lord. How many people want their life to be a walking, talking, living praise the Lord? Come on. Well, you are in the right place this morning. You are in the right place for the next eight weeks because what is gonna happen is people are going to get transformed. Transformed is uh, an exciting series for us to be beginning. And we wanna talk about how God changes us. And what I'm gonna do over the next eight weeks is I'm gonna show you that with every promise, there comes a premise. What do I mean by that? God says that if you will, that's the premise. He says, I will, that's the promise. And so I wanna share with you what some of those things are. And and, and I wanna just give you some information that will help this be the best series that you've ever experienced, that you've been a part of. And it's not because of who's up here. It's not because of the content. It's because there's an opportunity for each of us. Here's what I know. If all you do is just show up and listen, you are going to retain 10% of that information. That's pretty good. That's better than if you stayed home. 10% 10 ain't bad. If you'll take notes, and and you've got a note taker out there, if you'll take notes, the science tells us that you're going to retain about 50% of what you write down. 50% 50% is pretty good. If, if I got a 50% pay raise, I'd take it. <laughs> yeah, just a 10%. No. Um, but here's what I want you to know, that there's a way for you to retain 70 to 90% of the information that you're going to receive today and over the next seven weeks. And what that is is it, when you respond, when you, you personalize it, now, many of you have probably seen that we've had these books um, out on a table by this giant transform poster, and I hope if you got one, you have it here with you today, all right? Um, if not, it's okay. What I would encourage you is to make sure that you fill out these notes on the note taker, because um, on page two of the book, it says the weekend sermon notes, all right? and. If you write it on here and don't transcribe it into here, you'll lose it someday. Did y'all see me last week where I pulled out a journal that I had written in um, over 11 years ago? And did you see how powerful for me today that the, the words that I wrote down were? I believe that if you will open up these books and you will write in them what the Holy Spirit's put on your heart, it might be next year. It might be three years from now. It might be eleven years from now. You'll find this book. You'll dust it off and you'll open it up. And the Holy Spirit will be as fresh that day when you read it as He is today when you're hearing it, when you're feeling Him work in your heart. So that's my uh, challenge to you: is if you've got the uh, one of the workbooks, um, be using them. You know, it's not enough to own one; you have to open it. And and it's not just about opening it; you got to start writing in it. And and um, I practice what I preach literally. So Carrie and I, we have already started digging into ours. Um, matter of fact, you can tell where I wrote and where she writes. Okay, that's Ronnie's writing. That's Carrie's writing. You can read it. Um, and, and so, anyways, that is. I would encourage you guys to dig in there. Um, and. Use those workbooks because that is going to help you remember what's happening this morning. All right. Well, the Bible verse for this series, Transformed, is Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And so let me just read it. It says this: Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, Carrie had mentioned earlier that when it comes to conforming, that has to do with behavior. Transforming has to do with character. Conforming has to do with on the outside. I don't know if you've noticed, but I strategically changed something about myself for this series. I transformed. Well, really, um, I conformed. I changed on the outside. But what you all don't know and what you don't see is all week long while I was going through this book, there was transformation happening in my heart. And so, what, again, beardless is just a, an, an expression of what's going on inside. And I want, you know, guys, you don't have to shave, all right? I knew I was going to. I, when it gets hot and start, I start sweating, it's gone. Um, but I would challenge you um, let not confirmation happen. See, uh, conforming is coming to church, conforming is reading the Bible, conforming is um, praying where people can hear you. Transformation happens on the inside. Now, don't get me wrong. When you transform, guess what? You'll come to church. When you transform, guess what? You'll read the Bible. When you transform, guess what? You'll pray whether people hear you or not. That's what we want to happen. And so each week, I'm going to introduce each of you to a different topic of where we can transform in our lives. And uh, this week, it's all about spiritual health spiritual life, spiritual transformation. And the way that I'm going to introduce this to you is I'm going to share with you seven habits of spiritual health. And I believe that if we will take these habits and we will embed them into our lives, we will move beyond ho-hum Christianity into the best walk with Christ that you've ever experienced. And here's what's going to happen. You remember at the beginning of the year some of you I talked about get on the bus. The bus left the station. God has been working incredibly in our church. I don't know if you saw that. But but God's working in right beside you. God is working in not just the lives here but the lives that they're touching outside of this church. And if for the last eight weeks, you haven't seen that, if you haven't experienced that, if your walk with Christ hasn't gone to new levels, I'm encouraging you, the bus stopped today and you can get back on. And and get back on for the ride over the next seven weeks as we go through this series, Transformed. So let me go through these different habits. And and a habit is something that you do over and over again. It's not something you wanna do. It's something that you do. You all have habits. Um, Some of them are good habits. Some of them are bad habits, but we all have them. And so here are seven habits that will help you revive your spiritual life. First one is this, I must love Jesus supremely. Now, you know, it's interesting that like, okay, we're in church. We know we're supposed to love Jesus. But let's hear what God's word says in Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. It says these words, if you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father and mother. More than your wife and children. More than your brothers and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. And, and I just want you to know, I encounter people all the time who want to love Jesus, but yet I see it, they know it, that they love their family more than they love Jesus. Matter of fact, here's what I would tell them is that they would trade their relationship with God if if God would make their relationship with one of their family members perfect. It might be a, a wayward child. It might be a spouse. It might be a parent. But I encounter people who love, they love that relationship. They love that person more than they love Jesus. And Jesus said, that's not going to work. Jesus said, you've got to love me more than that, more than them. Now, the easy question is, really, is that what it means? Yes, that's what he means. But here's what I want to share with you, that in God's economy, some things just don't add up, but they just work. And when it comes, when you put God's relationship, when you love Jesus supremely, you will find out that those relationships that you want, God has a way of restoring them. And what you don't realize is that they need to see you in love with God before they are going to restore that relationship. They're watching us and they're wondering. That's why. Jesus said that. And the reality is this, that our spiritual health is measured by love. Why? We serve a God who says, I am love. There's another verse in uh, Mark in chapter 12. He says this, the most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's passionately. Is anyone in here passionate besides Molly? (laughs) Anyone else? In, yeah. You know, you, some of you are passionate about um, peanut butter parfaits. Some of you are passionate about yellow. I don't know if you'd notice this, but there's a lot of blue CrossFit shirts, but there's one yellow CrossFit shirt. Because somebody in this church is passionate about yellow. Um, maybe you are passionate about a certain vehicle. Maybe you're passionate about your job or passionate about, I, I don't know what it is. But God says that he wants us to love him with all our heart, with all of our passion. And then he says with all of our soul, when he, when he willfully. You see, your soul, that is what is going to live Forever. The question is, where is it going to live forever? Is it going to live forever with your creator, God Almighty, or is it going to live in judgment in hell forever? That's a question we all have to answer. And and Jesus said that this is what true love looks like, that we love with all our heart, that we love with all our soul, and that we love with all of our mind. That's thoughtfully. We have got to be willing to change the way that we think. And then the last is that we have to love with all our strength, practically. Another way to say that is to live like you love him, to live like you mean it. You know, I've shared with you all that um, many times that there are four different core competencies for us as Christians, these are four things that if we would do these, we would see that our walk with Christ would be at a level that you, we have, most of us have never experienced. And the one is confess our sins. Two is to read the Bible. Three is to pray. But the fourth one is this, to live it. We got to do it. It's not enough to say it. It's not enough to thank it. It's not enough to want it. We have to live it out. Some, sooner or later, the rubber is going to meet the road. Well, one of those ways that we can do that is with our second spiritual habit, and that's this. I must meet with him daily. Daily. You know what we call this? Worship. See, uh, many of you, the only time that you worship is on Sunday mornings when they're up here leading us in worship. And Jesus says, I want to meet with you daily, every day. He said, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus in the evening, right? We need to worship him in the morning, at noontime, in the evenings, all day long. How do we do that? We meet with him daily. Here's what he says in Proverbs. Blessed is the man who listens to me. Watching daily at my doors. Watching daily and waiting at my doorway. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for the person who lives there. Who are you waiting for each morning? Good question. Who are you worshiping? Maybe I should ask the question, what? Are you worshiping? And here's how you can tell that you're worshiping It's because you're waiting for it daily. You know, uh, sometimes uh, we get a new vehicle and we can fall into the trap of worshiping that new vehicle. You know how you can tell when a guy's worshiping a new vehicle? Not once a month. Not once a week. About every day he's out there, you know, just polishing that. And, and, you know, letting him know how much he loves it, right? I've, I've had one of those vehicles before. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to meet him at his door, to be watching for him, to be looking for him. Because here's where you're going to find him when you open that door up. This is where you're going to see. This is where you're going to experience worship. Third habit is this, I must study and do his word. I told you this, there's there's four competencies. The fourth one is this, to do it, to live out what is happening, what God is showing us through our um, reading of the word, through our talking with God. must do it. Psalms tells us this, that blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. How does it we know that? Because he says he meditates on it day and night. It describes him as a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And listen to this, whatever he does prospers. How many people here would like whatever you do to prosper? Here's the promise. The premise is this, that if we'll meditate day and night, It's not enough to read it on Sunday morning while the preacher's quoting verses. That's good. That's a start, but it's not enough. If you want to have whatever you do to prosper, you've got to do this day and night. This has got to become a part of your life. This is a spiritual habit that will change your life. Matter of fact, uh, we see in Scripture, if, if, if you don't like the Old Testament version of this, let me take you over to the New Testament. James 1, 25 says these words, the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. and doesn't stop there. It says, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Listen, he will be blessed in what he does. So if if you're not buying what Psalm 1 says, uh, go to James 1.25. This was the brother of Jesus who wrote those words. And if you doubt it that it's the brother of Jesus, these are words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So if you want your life to change, if you want to see God work and bless, if you want to become spiritually alive, we've got to... Allow God and God's word to be a part of our life. And it's not just enough to read it, we've got to live it. We've got to do it. And when you start doing that, you're going to start seeing everything that you do prospers. The fourth spiritual habit. That if we want to transform our life, is this? I must tithe my income. And I'm—I know you're saying, "How in the world did you go from spiritual health and get money involved?" I just want to tell you something. We have a generous church. I don't know. I just brought the um, sign out here for our LED sign that we're—we are trying to raise thirteen thousand dollars. To—that's um, uh, not how much the sign costs. It's a lot more than that. Um, but. We're trying to raise $13,000. we are already at $6,000. And I don't think you've heard me say that. Talk about that sign more than once. Not only that, but when uh, we were doing this bed build, how there's so many of you that have purchased beds. You want to make a difference. We have a generous church. I see that. I watch you all. I watch you all... Um, breathe and and invest in people, not just with your time and your talent, but with your treasure. But here's what God says. If you want to have a spiritual transformation in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out to you so much blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. The premise is this, bring the whole tithe, the promises, and God will open up the floodgates. Now, folks, I will gladly take you to the New Testament, and I will share with you a verse that that tells us, don't give out of compulsion. God doesn't want you giving because I'm up here browbeating you. But God does want you to know that if you'll trust him, he'll bless you. If you'll trust him, he'll make, he will open up the floodgates of heaven. But so here's the reality. When giving is not a financial decision, it's a spiritual decision. Whether it's a, a $10 bill, a $100 bill, or a $1,000 check that you write and you put into the offering, giving has nothing to do with finances. It has everything to do with do we trust God? Do we believe God's word? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the floodgates of heaven open up in your life, but I know there's one way that you can find out what that looks like. Uh, I, I've been told this, that you'll never have enough money to get married. I mean, you, you're just never going to be making enough. She's going, I mean, I mean um, th- that wedding is going to cost you a lot more money than you think you can afford. Number two, you'll never have enough money to start having children. But you know what? People get married all the time, don't they? And guess what else? They start having kids all the time, all right? And I'll tell you another thing, that you'll never have enough money to start tithing. But I'll promise you this, that in God's economy, it just works. We've watched that. I've heard your testimonies. I've watched some of you take that step of faith and get excited when God does some things that amaze you that you thought never would happen. I'm not talking rhetorically, folks. I'm talking about people who are sitting right where you're at right now, today. Number five, spiritual habit. I must learn to love other believers. You know, I don't know that this is an issue here at Crossroads Church, but it's one that we have to be on guard for. It's one that we've got to make sure that the whispers don't become louder. Matter of fact, that we should stop the whispers. John 13 and verse 35 says these words, if you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you're my disciples. You know, you don't have to have a Crossroads sticker on your vehicle. If you love each other, people will know you go to Crossroads Church. People know that you want to put Christ first in your life. But here's what I would tell you, is that uh, what the Bible says, if you have love for one another, the reality is this, it's hard to love in a crowd. It's hard to love in a group like this. Matter of fact, I, I think it's almost impossible to love properly in a crowd, but you know where you can do love one another at? You can do it in small group. You can do it in life. Come on, come on. You saw that one coming, didn't you? Yeah. 1 John 4, verse 20, it says these words. These are harsh words, folks. If someone says that I love God but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love the people that we can see, how can we possibly expect anyone to believe that we love God who we cannot see? Spiritual growth happens in community. You know. If you uh, pull out your uh, note taker, you're going to see that there is a list of life groups. This um, session, we have 10 different life groups meeting. I believe that there's got to be a time and a location um, that works for you, that you can be a part of one of these groups. Some of us are going to be a part of lots of these groups. But here's what I want you to know. I'm convinced that there's at least one. And if there's not, that tells me that God wants you to start one. Oops. And it, it, yes, it is so easy. But it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of stepping out of our comfort zone. And so I would encourage you to to look at these, because on Monday night, men, at 7 o'clock, we're going to be over in the gym. Tonight, at 6 o'clock, the um, high schoolers are going to be here at our church. On um, Monday, at 1 o'clock, there's a group that meets over in the the hangout. I don't know if you've seen, but we've been making some changes, and there's one room where uh, it's designed to be a little more comfortable, we call that the hangout. On Tuesday morning, at 8 o'clock in the morning, say that's Early. Yeah, I love early. Uh, at Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock, um, there are a group of a couples that are going to be meeting right over here in our conference room, all right? Um, and then on Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock, the ladies mafia it gets together <laughs> over on Broadway, 520 East Broadway. Um, on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, there's another group that, of co-eds that meet here in this church. Um on Thursdays, our junior high are meeting here at the church. I better make sure I say the time right. Four o'clock. Is that right? That's correct. Um, on Thursdays, because Tuesday night we have a Financial Peace University small group going on. There were some ladies from the Ladies Mafia that said, "I want to go to Financial Peace University, uh, and I want to be in the Ladies Mafia," and so they started a new branch on. Thursday nights at 6.30, and then Friday nights at 6.30, um, we have another couples group that meets. Folks, there's a time and a place that will work. Sometimes you just got to show up, and and, and this series is a powerful one because it's not just about um, showing up on Sunday, it's about getting engaged in those life groups and then start digging into uh, what the Holy Spirit is allowing us to see and hear. Spiritual growth happens in community. See, we've got, we've got to learn to move from rows into circles from rows where, where you're worshiping and, and you're, you're receiving into circles where you're starting to share and you're able to share with somebody else what's going on. And then all of a sudden you hear from two or three of the people in the room there are, you know what, I'm dealing with that same exact issue. But if you don't show up and you don't share that story, those other people won't get, their faith won't be built because they think they're the only ones going through it. They think that they're the only ones that that are horrible that that happened to them. And they need to hear that there's somebody else that they see God working in their life that they've gone through and survived and came out on the other side a better person. The sixth spiritual habit that we need to uh, incorporate into our lives if we wanna see spiritual transformation is this, we must learn to serve others unselfishly. We must learn learn to serve others unselfishly. You know, I learned about this concept over in Afghanistan uh, when we were in combat skills training, and they were giving us uh, lessons on the culture. One of the things that they talked about, the Afghan people, is that that they are the most hospitable people on the globe. Now, when they're telling me that in, you know, Kansas, um, I didn't know, Exactly what that meant, but then when I, um, I was, there was a movie out called Lone Survivor, and Marcus Luttrell uh, was part of a SEAL team, and his entire team is uh, devastated. Um, somehow he escapes off of a mountain, finds himself in an Afghan village, and they protected his life because the bad guys found out that he was there and they wanted to kill him, but because of the Afghan culture, they said, "No, this man is under our protect. This enemy is under our protection." His life is as valuable as our life. So I I heard it in training. I saw it in the movie. And then I experienced. So one of the interpreters that was part of our team, because we embedded into the Afghan National Army, one of his name was Muhammad Ali. All right. Now, Muhammad Ali didn't look like the one that we're familiar with. Muhammad Ali was 6'4", skinny as they come. And just the nicest guy from Houston, Texas. And then one night, um, Muhammad Ali invited all of our team over to his hut for dinner. And so we showed up, and he just he he brought food out, and and we're Americans, so we ate it. We ate it all. The whole night, he was just waiting on us. He never, he smiled the whole time. Anytime our our cup was empty, he got us more tea. Anytime our uh, plate was empty, he put more food out. And the next day, my personal interpreter, Nazif, he says, a brother, he called me his brother. He said, brother, he goes, Muhammad Ali has no more food. He, He gave it all out there. He didn't hold anything back for himself. We didn't know that we're Americans. You know, no one in America does that. That's the way they live. So Muhammad Ali showed up at his hut, and there was all kinds of stuff on his doorsteps that day. Because we learned how to serve someone unselfishly from somebody who served us unselfishly. Fast forward a couple years, and Carrie and I are in Newark, New Jersey. We're staying at the house of uh, my, my interpreter, Nazif, and his family's there. And Nazif, he, you know, here's what's interesting, ladies. In the Afghan culture, the man is the host. The ladies are not, hardly seen. The guy is the one doing everything. He's the one putting the food out. He's the one cleaning up. He's the, yeah, all right, that's in Afghanistan. Don't be getting... It's not not Centralia. <laughs> but in Newark, New Jersey, there was a guy. And I remember I got up at like 2 o'clock in the morning to use the restroom. You know, sometimes you do that, right? And as I walked out, um, Nazif was sitting there right by the door, and he stood up, and he's like, is there anything you need? The whole time we were there, that's what he was doing, waiting. He was serving us unselfishly. We sure could. You know what we can learn from scripture too in Mark? It says this, for even I, the son of man came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. Let me ask you this. What are you giving as a ransom for many? Jesus gave his life. What are we doing as the church? What are we giving up? I know that there's some of you that are. I've seen the time that you've invested. I've seen you go and help and use your skills. I've seen you sacrificially give. If that's not you, what are you giving? What are you willing to give to help many? Friday night, they had uh, an event called Rise Up. And and part of that, I got to stand up there and, and share this Bible verse, Psalm 82 and verse four. And Psalm 82, verse four says these words, rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. What are we willing to do to help the weak and the needy? What are we willing to do as Crossroads Church to help those that are oppressed? It's not enough just to want to. We got to do it. We got to live it. We got to put action behind our passion. You know, Peter, when he came across uh, a young man that was sitting, he goes, and, and it was asked for alms, just give me a couple pieces of change. And he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Pick up your stuff and get out of here. The last spiritual habit that, that we need to add into our life is this, that we must be able to pass on the good news we must be willing to take the good news and pass it on. You know, and and what I know is that a healthy church is full of people who are inviting people who invite people. Like that's what I've seen since the beginning of the year here at Crossroads, that people are being invited to our church and then those people bring other people. Here's what God's word says, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, take the teachings that you have heard of me and proclaim them in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to reliable people who will be able to teach others. Now, I don't know if you're a, a math guy like me, but I count things. And right there, I saw four generations. Number one was Timothy when he says, take the teachings that you have heard from me. There's Paul. And then he says, tell them among many witnesses but more importantly, entrust them to reliable people. Not that reliable people that'll write it down and put it in the notebook, but reliable people who will be able to teach others. See, that's what I hope we inspire here at Crossroads Church is that not only do we get, let God speak to us and let God transform our life, but then we share that. We tell everybody, but then we entrust it to a few people who will teach it to other people. That's what is going on right now. Matter of fact, um, I saw this in the life of Josh Cross. Josh Cross um, had a guy reach out to him and say, hey, I was told that, man, if I, I'm i going through some trouble, if I'd reach out to you, you're a good guy to get in touch with. Now, this person had already reached out to other Christians, had reached out to another pastor. But when we reached out to Josh, Josh, he says within seconds, he had gotten a message back. And not just like, hey, buddy, how you doing? but uh, like a diatribe. And then Brandon Reynolds, who was that guy that got that message, shows up on a Monday night, seven o'clock, and didn't say a word until the very end. And the Lord had pressed on my heart and I said, Brandon, you guys, I I don't want you to get through this night if there's something that you wanna share that you haven't. And then the floodgate opened up, and Brandon shared with us what was happening in his life. And what Brandon doesn't know is that there were men in that room who were going through the same stuff who didn't tell anybody else. And because of that testimony, a few weeks later, Brandon's up here singing. And it wasn't Ronnie's fault. That was Helen's fault. She she drafted him on that one. And because he was up here singing, his sister, who's sitting beside him right now, shows up with her family. Amen. Invite people who invite people. Don't keep it all to yourselves. Invite people and tell them something's happening. God is working in Centralia. God is real. What you read in these passages, you can come here and see lived out. Folks, we don't do it like you're used to. If you grew up in church, we're not doing it like that here. But you know what? God is showing up. God is making himself real. God is using every one of you that just keeps saying yes. And when you say yes, he brings somebody else. Uh, folks, I, I don't want to convict you, but I want to tell you this, that there's some of you that aren't saying yes, and you know you should. And I, do you, Have you seen the growth in our church? That will stop if we don't have more people step up and help. Uh, folks, we love loving on you. But I'm here to tell you that your relationship with God is way more than what you get in this hour. Your relationship with God is one where you learn to serve others unselfishly, where you'll give up time in the uh, rows here to go out there and invest in our children, when you'll give up time to go out there and greet people, when you'll give up time to put out the coffee and the donuts, when you'll give up time that's convenient for you to love somebody else because somebody else invited someone else, and they showed up. And when they show up, we want them to see the love of God. We want them to experience what it looks like. Here's what Matthew tells us. It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And I highlighted that word baptizing because next Sunday, we are going to be baptizing between 10 and 15 people Why are we baptizing that many next Sunday? Because people are inviting people who are inviting people. And then God's working in the lives of the people that we invite. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Now, I know some of us want it to come sooner rather than later. For some of us, it's going to come sooner rather than later. But for all of us, it's going to come. It's going to come. And so today, when I introduce you to this concept of spiritual health, I ask you this. Are you ready to move beyond ho-hum Christianity? Are you ready to move beyond just hearing the word and allowing it to bless you and then come back next week and hear the word and allow it to bless you? And to move into a place where you get out of your comfort zone and you start sharing with the people around you, you start inviting the people that uh, work with you, you start inviting family members, friends. We We were sitting here in, Monday night men's group, and one young man showed up that night because another young man in Walmart saw him and said, "Hey, (laughs) would you like to go to Bible study with me?" Now, yeah, I I, 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 I've never thought about doing it like that, but you know what? That guy showed up. Here's the reality, folks: spiritual growth is not automatic. It's a decision. And I want you to understand this, that change doesn't happen overnight like we want it to. I know, folks, I know you want you want to snap your fingers and you want to be um, spiritually deep. You want to have an incredible relationship with God. But the reality is that you've been making decisions. You've been taking actions for the last couple of years that have created problems. And God is willing to work out those problems but he needs you to work and so you want that change to happen overnight but it doesn't but I can tell you what that change will happen daily if you'll show up if you'll take these seven principles these habits and create them in your own life but let me tell you this that there's no growth without life have any of you ever tried to revive a dead plant? <laughs> no luck. Don't work. Listen to me. Some of you are here and you're trying to revive something that's not alive. You're trying to create a relationship with God and, that's not, and it, it doesn't exist. You see, there's no growth without life and you cannot grow in Christ until you know Christ. It's not enough to know about Christ. It's not enough to show up to church. It's not enough to read the Bible. You have to have a personal relationship with the creator of this universe and he's made it easy for us. Let me share with you one last verse. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. Do you have any father, Lord, I just come to you and God, we are about to see you work in an incredible way here at Crossroads. More than just here at Crossroads, Lord, we are about to see you work in hearts, that are sitting in this room, that are watching online, that are listening to this next week, God. Lord, I just look forward to what you have in store. And while we still continue in prayer, I just I want to ask you all a question. Is that you today? Are you wanting to revive something that's not alive? Don't leave here today without taking God up at his word. He says these words in Romans 10, verse 9, 10. He says, if you will believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He died and rose again, you will be saved. You can experience new life. And I'm going to pray right now, and I would encourage you, if you've never done that, or if you know that you're you don't have that spiritual life, I would encourage you to pray this prayer right there where you're at with me. God, I want and I need. The spiritual life, I need to be reborn inside. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I I thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for me, and more importantly, God, I thank you that you brought him back to life to show everybody that he was your son. Amen. As we continue in prayer, I'm gonna. There's another group in here, and there's another group in here that needs. To bring something that was alive back to life. You know, we're using the word transform, but there's an old time church word that we use called revival. And I just want you to know, we're not waiting for revival. We are experiencing revival at Crossroads. And that is experienced when you are sensitive and you listen to and you surrender to what God's doing in your life. You would stand to your feet. They're about to lead us in a worship song, maybe a worship song you might not have heard before, but I want you to pay attention to the words. The name of this song is that something's got to break. And the reality is this, for us to experience a walk with Christ like we've never had before, we've got to do something that we've never done before for us to see God move in a powerful way, we have to get rid of the pride we have to get rid of the sin that, that, that slows us down we have to be willing to put all that aside we have to be willing to let God break that we have to be willing to let God break us The altar's open today, folks. Don't leave here. Don't leave here. The bus is going to leave the station. Some of you are going to hang out for the next eight weeks, and you're going to watch God work in other people's lives. Take advantage of God's offer to you. Allow him to work in your life. Let's sing. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.